Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. Four free record on my count. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, roll A, fade up on A. Southernness to the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Well, good Tuesday afternoon. Feels like Monday. Glad you're with us on the Eagle Hour. Bob Getty, Kelly Santer at the First Bank Studio in Hattiesburg. And uh, Luke Johnson at the First Bank Studio over in Laurel. Tuesday edition of the Eagle Hour. Ken Levicka is the play-by-play voice of Florida Atlantic University. He's going to join us here in the second segment of the show today. Lee Roberts, uh, former quarterback for the Golden Eagles, uh, will start making his uh, post-game appearances on the Eagle Hour. Uh, He'll be in the third segment today. Uh, We're going to talk a little football here in a moment, but just uh, first of all, I want to remind everybody about our good friends at Dickie's Barbecue Pit, proud supporters of Southern Miss. And the Eagle Hour. You can enjoy their fall off the bone ribs, hickory smoked brisket, other great meats that they cook in house every day. And uh, next time uh, you're planning something special, you be sure to let Dickies do the cooking. Before we get started, Kelly Santer, I just want to say a word about Nick Mullins. Nick Mullins, named the backup quarterback for the 49ers, has a baby this week with his young wife past week. What a week for Nick Mullins, and knowing what an outstanding young man he is, how happy are you for Nick Mullins? The only thing that would make me happier is if he got to, because I think he's good enough to start. Mm-hmm. Now, maybe I'm seeing that in my heart and not in my eyes, but I think he's good enough to start in the league. And I hope that somewhere, and I'm obviously not wishing any ill will to right. Jimmy Garoppolo, but I'm, I just hope that some mm-hmm. team will maybe trade for him or pick him up and give Nick a shot to be the main guy. You know, I think back, uh, it was his last year here, and my wife and I were in a restaurant one night, and he and his girlfriend, now wife, I guess, happened to come sit by us. And and so we struck up a conversation with him, and he just couldn't have been nicer. I mean, he was just such a gracious kid and so polite and talked to us for a while and uh, was just so humble. And he left, and, and I, was, I was telling my wife, you know, that right there is an example of what you hope. The football program can always attract, and and he's from Alabama. That's yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And you have to want. Well, you know, you see it all the time. I mean, how did how did everybody not go draft Jerry Rice? You know, go yeah. get Jerry Rice. You, you you be sure that those Alabama coaches now are looking there, going, boy, we let that kid get. Well, away. they can't have everybody. I mean, back in the right. old days, they could have. Right, and you could have 150 scholarships, but right, but not anymore. So anyway, congratulations to Nick Mullins. Just yeah. couldn't be happier for that kid. And you know, based on Garoppolo's history, and you're right, I hope he has a wonderful year. Nick Mullins could be playing for the 49ers. I keep I keep saying that Todd Munkin's going to get his shot at, at being a head coach someday. And the first call I'd make if I were Mullins is what. How can we get Nick Mullins over here? Right. Yeah. All right, we're going to be talking to Florida Atlantic play-by-play voice Ken Lavica a little later in the show. Lee Roberts will be joining us later in the show as well. Of course, Golden Eagles uh, opened the football season, and I should say we'll go over the Conference USA scores, a couple of kind of surprising scores. So the best beats Alcorn, uh, as expected, 38-10. Uh, 
10. Uh, I'll start with you, Kelly, then we'll get Luke involved. Your observation of the opening game. Well, the defense is exactly what you what you thought it would be, uh, that they're going to hang their hat on this defense. And, of course, you, the buzz in the crowd was, well, the Southern Miss offense isn't going to open up too much because Mississippi State's coming up this weekend. Um, I, I'm sure that the offensive side of the ball would probably, you know, like to – I mean, they torched, you know, the Braves – through the air, um, and I'm sure they would like a little bit better balanced running attack. But uh, we'll see what they have have this weekend. Luke Johnson, I think you have to run the football a lot more effectively against a team like Mississippi State than you do you did Saturday night against Alcorn. But your observation of the opening game? If I'm grading out, offense gets a a C, and uh, that's just because the wide receivers played a lot better in the in the second half. First half, it was really messy. Couldn't run the ball. There were several drop balls. McLaurin came back and, and had a nice catch on the touchdown, readjusting to the ball. Jack overall, I thought, was pretty good. Um, he had a couple missed throws. The interception really was deflected off of Adams' hands. Offense gets a C for me. Defense, uh, B+. Plus. They got really good pressure. What I'm excited about was seeing Whittington and Torrance Brown run around. DQ Thomas had a tremendous game. I think seven tackles, two for a loss, and he had the uh, the interception. Uh, if there's a plus, uh, special teams is an A++. plus uh, plus. Yeah. I was thankful that Andrew Stein got really short field goals to kick. Uh, he got a, he had a 19, a 20, and a 24. But what that tells you is the offense got inside uh, 15, you know, the 15 three times and couldn't score. Stein had a great day, and then of course Jalen Adams, Conference USA Player of the Week. Kickoffs were really good, even when they didn't go in the end zone. We had great coverage. So um, yeah, the offensive line, and I think some of it. We can ask Lee Roberts his observation. I think some of it. I told you guys before we went on. Some of it was the scheme Alcorn was throwing. I think they were bringing six guys. Sometimes they'd bring seven, and I think that's what opened up the passing game. But regardless, you've got to be able to block a whole lot better. It hurts that Trevinsky Mosley is is out. Uh, I'm hearing anywhere from four to eight weeks. That's not official. That's just what's coming you know, through the grapevine. But, guys, Kelly, I don't know what you th- – I thought D. Baker, the freshman from Northwest Rankin, ran hard. I thought Kemp ran hard. Uh, you know, Anderson looked good. Perkins looked okay. So I think Southern Miss can replace Mosley to a certain extent going forward. All right, guys, I'm going to be the devil's advocate all year, okay? As I don't want this to just be a raw raw show. No, and okay. and I and you know I criticize the university the under team, 100 right, yards rushing, 14 of your points come on special team against a subpar opponent. You've got to be better than that. Well, and, and I, I tried to, to say right. that I think if you the offense will look at the film and say there are things that we can do better. And we talked about last week that as a unit, the offensive line has got a lot to prove. Expectations are higher. Of course, you know, they were much maligned last right. year. So if there's ever a group that really wants to prove itself, it's the offensive line. Probably not the greatest start, you know, that they would have hoped for. But that's kind of why you schedule an all-corn so that you can maybe work out some of these kinks. Right. But now you go from the waiting pool to the deep end, you know, <laughs> in one week, right, going up to Starkville. Well, that's year. what I was going to say next. I watched most of the game between State and Lafayette. Mississippi State is not a great football team at this point of the year, obviously. Lafayette was very competitive with them. I figure we're probably on par with a Lafayette type of program. I think that's fair to say. But Mississippi State is this. They are very big, very big, very physical Going to be a lot harder, Kelly Sander, to move off the line of scrimmage. Yeah, but that doesn't, that's never scared Southern Miss. I right. mean, the, the Southern Miss the Eagles have always had that blue collar mentality. Right. But you want to say it. Yeah, of course. It's going to be a bigger challenge. Sure. Well, absolutely. 
What do you have to do, uh, Luke a, Johnson, to upset Mississippi State? Well, real quick on that. It is, I mean, it is a huge challenge. The offense was the weak link. I mean, defense, you give up 200 yards. You get, uh, I think, two two turnovers. You have eight tackles for loss. I mean, that, that's really good for the defense. You know, the defense was not at all bad. It's the offensive line. They did give – I thought their pass protection was a little better, but here's the thing. People can just pin back their ears and rush Abraham because other than Jack, Jack did have a rushing touchdown. Uh, but you're just going to have to you, you're just going to have to give a little alleviate some pressure of the passing game. So I don't know what they're doing. I don't know if it was just the offensive line was that struggled that bad Saturday, or if Coach Faulkner didn't open up the playbook as much. I felt like they were holding some back. I, I really felt like from a play call, a lot of those swing passes, Bob. They did run one bubble screen in your honor. Uh, but but I just I felt like they were holding something back to not give Mississippi State you know the extent of that. At the end of the day, it's thirty eight to ten. Uh, you didn't run the ball well, uh, and you got a week to to get better. But they're going to have to run and give Jack a, a, some some right. just alleviate something, or they're just going to pin their ears back. As you continue to grade the team, one area that we have to grade is the fan base. And I'd have to say now. Now, granted, some of the folks were were brave fans. That a were there, few, you know, a few. But I'm saying <laughs> overall, I thought the Southern Miss fan base showed up. It right. was miserably hot. Right. You know, right. a lot of reasons to stay home, but they didn't. Um, and it, more people than I thought, as evidenced by the fact on Hardy Street Saturday night. It was taking people an hour to get from The Rock to to West Hattiesburg. I'd like to see the city of Hattiesburg actually put police officers out on Hardy Street to direct traffic. You can't let the traffic lights be directing traffic after a football game. Even even after high school games, they've got officers directing traffic. For heaven's sakes, can we not get... Some of our guys. Well, perhaps the mayor, who's so famous for rolling up his sleeves, can roll them up next time there's a Southern Miss home game and put the police department out there to help the university. And, and maybe, in fairness, they said, look, we haven't had crowds like this before. We haven't right. had to do well, that no, before. That's terrible. No, no. I, I understand. You know what I'm saying. Well, but, but if they're going to have these big crowds, you want right. to make it as convenient to get in and out. One last thought. You think it was hot. Saturday night. I looked at the weather today. 101 is the forecast for Saturday afternoon in Starkville. 101. And that's not even with the – that's straight temperature. Of course, the humidity you hey, had that it, on top And of if that. it was a home game, if it was a home game, I would hope we would come out in all black just hmm. to make a statement. That's going to be miserable. Miserable. Can we say ESPN Plus? <laughs> All right, when we come back, Florida Atlantic opened against one of the big boys of college football and played pretty respectably well, I think. We're going to talk to Ken Levicka from FAU right after this.
Southern Miss to the top. To the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Welcome back, everybody. Glad you're with us this afternoon. This segment of the program on the Super Talk Radio Network is sponsored by Campus Bookmart and CampusBookmart.net. No doubt they were busy Saturday, and they'll have a great selection of Southern Miss apparel throughout the fall for all of your upcoming home football games. We encourage you to visit our good buddies at Campus Bookmart on Hardy Street. You can visit them online at CampusBookmart.net. All right, so uh, all Conference USA teams in action this weekend. Florida Atlantic uh, opened the season against Ohio State. Last year, they opened the season against Oklahoma. I just can't imagine two tougher opening opponents than the Sooners and the Buckeyes. Ken Levicka uh, saw what happened Saturday. He's the Florida Atlantic play-by-play voice, and we welcome him to the Eagle Hour. 45-21, to 21, that's a pretty respectable score when you're playing at Ohio State. Ken, what did you learn about uh, the 2019 edition of Florida Atlantic uh, in the opener? Oh, thank you for having me. As always, love coming on here to talk about FAU. And uh, just to uh, cover all our bases, we're going to schedule Alabama and Clemson next year and just take care of the entire thing at this point. Just do one uh, and two. Make so, it the first game yeah, and the yeah. second game. Yeah, yeah. We might as, we might as well just schedule the whole top five uh, while we're at it right now. Uh, but uh, this was a significantly better showing than the opener last year at Oklahoma, where FAU got dropped sixty-three to fourteen. Uh, it looked like it was going that route after the first 12 minutes in Columbus. Justin Fields was able to do whatever he wanted. And then FAU adjusted. So you spot Ohio State 28 points, but Florida Atlantic in the final three quarters ended up outscoring Ohio State. Finally found their rhythm on offense, but the defense really, really made Justin Fields' life difficult after that first quarter. And the game was close enough where Fields ended up having to play the entire game with the first-team offense. That was certainly encouraging and leads you to believe there's going to be a little bit more teeth to this FAU defense than what we saw a year ago where they were near the bottom of the conference in uh, rush yards again. So I was definitely more encouraged after this one, especially after the way it started than I was uh, at Oklahoma last year. So you play the Buckeyes, and then you have Ball State and Wagner coming up. So uh, to, to be able to stay on the field with Ohio State on their home turf and play uh, to that degree, which which I thought – I saw part of the game, and I, I thought uh, FAU looked pretty good at times against them. Uh, you got to feel real confident now about the rest of the season, right? Well, on the back end, don't forget this Saturday, number 17 UCF comes to Boca Raton. So uh, the challenges aren't done yet in this point. at this point. So this is the back end of a home-and-home that FAU had with the Knights. And last year, Florida Atlantic uh, had the lead late in the first half, down three at halftime, and then the bottom fell out. So now you get them at your place. And, uh, I'm very curious to see without Mackenzie Milton what UCF is able to do on the road. UCF looked great but against FAMU in week one. They're coming to Boca. Uh, this is going to be the litmus test game. Is Florida Atlantic going to be a team that can uh, compete at the top level of Conference USA, or are we talking about maybe a mid-level team in Conference USA? And I think this UCF game is really going to show it. But past UCF, yeah, going to Ball State, home against Wagner, and then you start the conference season, 
if you can see positive carryover this Saturday, especially a weird Saturday because we've had some hurricane stuff to deal with. And so the team's actually practicing at the Dolphins practice facility today instead of at home. Some distractions like that. If you come out and have a good showing, then, yeah, I absolutely start feeling really good about it. Well, the worst thing that can happen is that you're going to sleep in Boca Raton, for heaven's sake. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That's well said. Uh, you know, when you look at this team, though, Ken, early in the year, FAU was getting a lot of, uh, they were one of the sexy picks to finish, you know, high in that division of Conference USA. Are you buying that? Yeah, I, I've been asked that a bunch, and I'm, and I don't mean that, this to sound disrespectful towards Florida Atlantic by any stretch, but I did think that uh, immediately uh, them becoming the Vegas favorites to uh, win the league, that might have been a little bit of a stretch. This was a defense that a year ago really scuffled. It was an offense that really didn't have much of an identity, and uh, I certainly am pleased that there's confidence with Florida Atlantic. I do think that there were more question marks than maybe have been reflected on betting lines. And so uh, the seven and a half wins, uh, and, uh, you know, uh, Marshall has seven and a half wins, FIU, they did not look like they would be a favorite in Conference USA after what happened in week one against Tulane, uh, North Texas. I, I think FAU was a bull team. It was shocking they didn't make a postseason game a year ago. But there's still a lot of holes, especially at wide receiver. Uh, who's Chris Robinson going to throw to uh, for me to sit here and say that me, the voice of FAU, feels super overly confident that the odds makers got it right and the prognosticators got it right, and FAU is going to be there at the end. It could happen, but uh, I think that a lot of major questions still need to be answered. So if they are to hoist that trophy, the receiving core would be the top uh, thing you'd want to punch off the, your list? Yeah, if there was any sort of realistic and uh, really overwhelming production coming back, I'd say that, yeah, I really think that this is a team that's going to be playing first week of December, but uh, they have been so banged up. It has been so ragged, and that position is so thin. For example, uh, DeAndre McNeil, who uh, transferred to Florida Atlantic two years ago, decided in his final year of eligibility to go to SMU, uh, they ended up talking about moving him to linebacker. He went back to Florida Atlantic a week and a half ago because FAU was so thin at receiver to see if he could break into the receiving core. So that just gives you a little bit of an idea of what I'm talking about. They've converted a quarterback, a freshman quarterback, Javion Posey, to wide receiver, and he was the breakout star of camp, learning a completely new position. Didn't play against Ohio State, but very well could against UCF. Lane Kiffin and the coaching staff have been really scrambling there. So, yeah, if that gets itself worked out, then, hey, let's go. But until that happens, you've got two great tight ends, but I don't know if that's enough to carry you. Luke? Ken, thanks for being on today. We affectionately refer to Florida Atlantic uh, on this show as the Fighting Kiffins. He's in his third year, and it, it just I follow him on Twitter. And what, how does, How's the community embraced Lane Kiffin? And I guess in bigger ways, how has Lane Kiffin embraced the community of Florida Atlantic? Yeah, I think they're really a match made in heaven. They've been perfect for one another because in Boca Raton, uh, there's a, a large portion of the population where you just sort of 
you walk down the street, you're paying attention to yourself, and uh, you want to make sure that you're taking care of you and looking great doing it. Uh, and that allows Lane to just sort of go about his business business without uh, people asking for autographs or pictures, and he can just kind of do his own thing. It has been a great thing for him because there are some portions of this area where you can go completely obscure, and nobody is going to recognize you whatsoever. He couldn't go grocery shopping in Tuscaloosa. He couldn't really go anywhere in pockets around campus at USC because he was Lane Kiffin. In Boca Raton, everybody else is going to do something uh, or be seen. And so Lane has his home near the water. He's got his boat. Uh, he is able to fly in his children who are still out in Los Angeles a lot easier uh, in the Fort Lauderdale or West Palm than uh, having to get to Tuscaloosa. So life is good for him. And he's talked about it a lot this off season that it, he feels like it's not out of the realm of possibility to have Boca Raton a long-term option in his life. He really truly does enjoy it down, uh, down in this area. And the community loves him because he's just kind of cool and he kind of goes about his business. And he won here in South Florida to get butts in seats. You win. Uh, you can have all the marketing gimmicks in the world, but people don't really start buying in until you win. And he did that. And that's what's been it made it a great marriage so far. So Such Kim. a difficult life in in uh, in down there, but but Bob, you know this schedule sets up pretty good uh, for for FAU, uh, and and I know Coach Kiffin, you know, really enjoying life down there. We love him on this show, Bob. Well, yeah, and I can't blame him. A boat living on the ocean no, that's terrible that's terrible <laughs> living right well, and, and we had a bunch of uh in the off season we have a bunch of fan meet and greets at a couple of different outdoor bars in the area that he comes and speaks but two of those he just rolled up on his boat to these different bars these different restaurants tied up the boat stepped up grabbed the mic and started talking to fans so that that that's just a little bit of a a, a reflection of the life that he leads well, down I here mean, how do you beat that his, his neighbors names are Biff Tad and Muffy <laughs> <laughs> that's probably not way too right. not off by any stretch I right, can only a minute left uh, on a serious note uh, how, how are you guys being impacted by the weather there in Boca Raton and uh Kind of update us on what things are like on the east coast of Florida right now. Yeah, so we're getting some wind. We're getting some feeder bands right now. I know you guys are familiar with that uh, in different hurricane seasons, but we definitely got fortunate uh, five days ago before we went to Ohio State. It was looking real dire, like we were going to take a direct hit with a Category 5, and uh, luckily this storm has turned north, uh, and we're going to play Saturday at home against UCF. So, you know, some power outages, some branches down, maybe some trees, but other than that, we're fine. Our concern right now, though, is the northern part of Florida and what happened in the Bahamas, just about at 70 miles away from us. And so right. uh, we're paying attention, and definitely our thoughts are out to them. All right, Ken. Well, thanks very much. And look, we're open to doing the Eagle Hour from Lane's boat. You can pass that along. <laughs> sir. You just give me a call. I'll set it up. <laughs> Ken Levicka, everybody. Play-by-play voice of Florida Atlantic, one of our favorite guests on the Eagle Hour. When we come back, Lee Roberts will join us. Stay with us.
Southern Miss to the top. Back on a Tuesday, appreciate Ken Lavica joining us in that second segment. Southern Miss will take on the Florida Atlantic Owls. Last game of the regular season, November 30th at 3.30 p.m., 2.30 Eastern down in Boca Raton. Third segment of the Eagle Hour brought to us every day by 4th Street Bar and Grill, located on 4th Street in Hattiesburg, Mississippi. Lots to do there. Great food, great lunches. Go and check them out, 4th Street Bar and Grill. Well, the Eagles take care of Alcorn State, 38-10. to 10. Set their sights on Stark Vegas and the Mississippi State Bulldogs, where they will play this coming Saturday at 2.30 p.m. Joining us every Monday, former Golden Eagle quarterback Lee Roberts also joins John Cox in the Southern Miss football broadcast. He joins us now. Number five, what's going on? Not much, Luke, man. How are you guys doing? Doing good. Just uh, your thoughts this past weekend. We were kind of giving some grades out in the first segment, and and I think everybody uh, is is pretty contently uh, with how the defense and special teams looked. But a lot of, a lot of things to do on the offensive side of the ball. No, that that is exactly right. And first, talk about our our special teams. I mean, Jalen Adams. Wow, what a, what an electric player. What a way to start the game and. To be honest, when he ran that first kickoff back, I was thinking, man, this is what Southern Miss needed. This is what this fan base needed. And, hey, we're about to have a, a huge night. But it just kind of sputtered from that point. And, you know, again, not taking anything away from a special teams touchdown. But as an offensive unit, your mindset is, hey, I'm about to go out here. We're about to get something going. And all of a sudden, you don't because of a, a big play. Like I said, don't take anything away from a special teams touchdown. But it's but it does. It does kind of get you out of rhythm offensively without even getting you on the field. And, um, you know, I, I feel like that played a huge part in what the offense did. And, of course, Travinsky Mosley going down with a, a knee injury. And, and honestly, a, a, an injury before he even touched the ball out of the backfield. They had two receptions, but never actually got to touch the ball as a running back. So that was a, a huge hurt as well. Um, but I think I think this unit – pieced it together and was able to do what they needed to after the half to come out and uh, put together some drives, some nice throws. And um, again, I think the, the running game is continues to be the area of focus there, but special teams really good defensively. Like you said, I mean, lights out, they played, played super all night. Lee, when we talk about um, the the running game, and I saw they they mixed a lot of offensive linemen in there. I think Foxworth is going to be suspended for the first half of uh, this coming week. But they were, you know, they were kind of mixing some guys in and out. We saw probably eight or nine guys up there. Did you feel like it was a uh, it was a scheme that Alcorn was was throwing at us? Because I, I felt like they were bringing six or seven guys a lot of the time. But you still should be able to rush for more than ninety six yards on a swag opponent. Yeah, and and again, this is a this is a really good swag team. I mean, this is a team that, you know, a lot of those guys are still guys that Coach Hobson recruited from when he was at Alcorn. Um, this is a team that's going to probably win the swag again. So again, not taking anything away from what they are able to do, but you're right, we should be able to move the football against a team like that. But they were pretty athletic, pretty physical up front. They did what they needed to. Had a good scheme, and uh, you know, we we did. We had to move some guys around, and I think we'll see some. Uh, guys continuing to move around until we figure out what's the best five, the starting five going to be. And I mean, guys like, like Dorback and Pollard, I mean, they're going to play. Trace Clopson obviously is going to play. A guy that stepped up, I felt like was Coker Wright. Felt like he, uh, he came in there, moved from the center to the guard position and, and did, did some good things. And 
again, I think it's a, a deal where they're going to have to compete each and every day at practice, and the, the best five are going to play on Saturdays. Hey, Lee, first of all, I want to thank you for coming back on the show this year. We appreciate uh, the time you give us uh, every fall. Yeah, absolutely. I enjoy, I enjoy it, so I appreciate you guys having me. We had this conversation last year about offense a lot and the inability to run the football. I want to take you back and then move you forward. I want to take you back to when you were playing. Uh, you guys always had an ability to run the ball, uh, and, and I think it's fair to say that opens up the passing game, makes the passing game easier, not easy, but easier. Uh, what was the difference then and now? Question number one. Question number two, is there not going to have to be some immediate improvement in the running game over the next three weeks in order to have a chance to win those ball games? You know, I feel like when I was playing, you know, obviously back in the 90s, I felt like it was uh, offensively, it was just different. I mean, you didn't have the the four wide receivers. You didn't have the spread offense like you have now. So it seems like the emphasis then was run heavy. Um, you know, I did have some games where I did throw up 40-plus times, but it wasn't it wasn't all the time. As opposed to now's offense, and not saying that Buster Faulkner's offense is this, but it just seems like the spread offense is thought of as, hey, we're going to throw first, run second, and the emphasis, you know, may not be as much on the run. But I feel like Coach Faulkner – wants to put that emphasis on the run. And I think, you know, he, he he didn't sleep well, I'm sure, knowing that they only ran for 96 yards, knowing the, the talented running backs we have, the depth we have at running back. But, again, when your starter goes down, that's a tough thing to have to overcome. But uh, there's going to be some guys having to step in earlier than probably anticipated. And, you know, I'm, I'm anxious to see how they're going to do. You know, obviously, Steven Anderson, he's, he's the bigger, the bruising type back. Um, you know, other guys that, you know, we didn't see. We didn't see the Darius Mayberry, but we did see D. Baker. We saw Kevin Perkins, some guys like that. And they're just going to have to step it up. And I think it's they're just going to have to take it on their shoulders and say, hey, we're going to have to run the football. And, you know, and, and part of it is knowing that, hey, Jack Abraham can throw it. We know he can, but the onus has got to definitely be on the, running the football. And how important will that be in your view of the next three ball games? Oh, it's going to it's going to be huge because if you can't run the football, you're right. Teams are just going to pin their ears back and come right at you. And, and we all know the greatest quarterbacks can't do anything when they're flat on their back. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, although Jack Abraham did show a little bit of scrambling ability on Saturday, that's not his strong point. His strong point is standing in the pocket and setting his feet and delivering a strike. So the next three weeks are definitely going to be crucial as far as are we going to better run the football or not. So, Lee, I'm sure one of the questions you've gotten today just from your casual friends and fans and where we went to church yesterday or whatever is, man, we, sh- we should have been able to beat Alcorn by 50. Dude, what's up? So how did – and I'm sure you got that question more than once. How did you answer it? You know, it, it is it is college football in 2019. And, and as you can see in opening week, there were some teams that, that didn't perform and some teams that did. And – um, you you got to take that first week with a grain of salt. You come out of there with a win. You got to be you got to be positive of that, and then you got to build on the negatives. And you know, should we have won by fifty? You know, probably. I mean, we're talented enough. But again, Alcorn State, you know, take it that they're an FCS team. But like I said earlier, they're a really good FCS team, and they've got some talented players. And I mean, heck, we got we we got one of their guys from last year, Terry Whittington. You know, who was a, a stud that we were able to land. So they've got guys like that that are going to cause team a lot of havoc and a lot of harm. And um, we as a team just got to take care of business. And I know it seems like talking to Coach Hobson week in, week out, 
his his comments usually are, hey, we've got to take care of Southern Miss football first, and, and I think that's going to be the first and foremost. Obviously, our focus will be on Mississippi State, but I know last night when they got together, they were trying to uh, take care of the things they needed to, correct the the small things that need to be corrected because this is a big week for sure. Yeah, and I wanted to talk about about Mississippi State, and we want to see it with our with our eyes, you know, rather than our heart. You've got a bulldog program with a new quarterback. They've lost five guys late, you know, that transferred to Colin for you know whatever reasons. This might right. not this might not be the fully loaded team that Mississippi State was hoping it would be uh, week two of the season. But uh, what are your thoughts about uh, about this Mississippi State team and and uh, Southern Miss's ability to compete in Starkville? In the sweltering heat this coming uh, Saturday, you know it's going to be hot. I'm glad you. I'm glad you reminded everybody how hot it's going to be. <laughs> Hundred one. The, the, temperature, <laughs> the temperatures in Hattiesburg are going to hit triple digits, so I'm not sure what Starville is going to be like. But you know, again, you got to just go back to saying, "Hey, this is Mississippi football. This is Southern Miss versus Mississippi State. If Southern Miss can't get up for this game, then they're not, not going to be able to get up for any game all year long. And uh, we 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 love the in-state games that we're able to play." You know, just like we did with Alcorn, just like we did with Jackson State last year, just having that opportunity to play an in-state school like Mississippi State, a Power 5 school, an SEC school, um, going go to their house. And uh, it, it's going to be one these guys are going to have to get up get up for, and I know they will. So it should be it should be a phone. But you're right. It's a team that probably is not as loaded as they can be and should be. Um, but Southern Miss can't be thinking about that. they got to think about themselves and what they need to do against the opponent they're going to line up against. So, Lee, the forecast is 101 degrees. Is the press box there air-conditioned? Big question. You know, I have been there once, but it was 2014, and since then I've been in very many press boxes. So I I can't remember. It is an air-conditioned box, I know. But, you know, do the windows open? Is it an open-air press box? I really can't remember. But, you know, I'm kind of like – Others, I, I I want that open air feel. I want to smell football. If I'm closed up in a a glass box and I can't get that open air, you know that's not my favorite. So I really don't remember what it's like. But John and I do. We open the windows at home. We'd like to, you know, feel that heat. But yeah, we do have a little bit of air. Well, set well. the example, Lee. Turn the air conditioner off and open the windows. Can you do that for us? <laughs> you know what? We probably could. Will we? I don't know if we will. But if we can open, if we can open those windows, we're going to definitely open those windows. All right, Lee, always enjoy having you on the show. We look forward to having you on every Monday uh, after this week, and thank you for your time, Lee. Hey, absolutely. Appreciate you guys. Southern Miss to the top. Lee Roberts, everybody, play-by-play color commentator for the Southern Miss Golden Eagles and former great quarterback. We'll be back, look around the conference, let you know what all the schools did right after this. Center brings us the fourth segment of the Eagle Hour every day, located on Highway 49 in Gulfport. They have the largest selection of new and used manufactured housing. Gulfport Home Center, more room for you, more room for your family. Ladies Soccer uh, drops a 
contest to uh, Louisiana Monroe yesterday, one to nothing, to fall to one and three on the year. They open this coming Thursday and with their home opener. Uh, against South Alabama at 5 p.m. Cross Country is up in Memphis this weekend for the City Auto Memphis Twilight Classic. They finish fourth. And Jalen Adams is the Conference USA Special Teams Player of the Week with that kickoff return and uh, punt return. You guys talked about how Nick Mullins uh, named uh, the backup quarterback for uh, the San Francisco 49ers. Cornell Armstrong was cut by the Dolphins, but then was signed uh, by the Houston Texans, so congratulations to him. And then uh, some tough news. The Saints have put Cameron Tom on the injured reserve, which means he's out for the year dealing with a torn labrum. Uh, I wanted to get y'all's take on this also. I don't know if you saw this, uh, but Dion and Shadur Sanders were back at the Rock uh, on Saturday, and Dion talked about it on Instagram. He's got a video up talking about how uh, T.J. Slaughter and Adelius Thomas uh, were both there. Got to see them after the game. But they did a great job of, of quote, uh, selling USM to Shador. So pretty cool, Dion, chronicling his son's visit to USM. That's on Instagram. I ran up uh, on Dion uh, Kelly Center at the Independence Bowl. Walking along the sidelines, and boom, there was Deion Sanders. Friendly guy, too. you know. And he came up to you and said, aren't you Bob Getty? He did. How did you yeah. know that? Well, yeah. I, I've heard that story. All right, real quick, around Conference USA, UTEP beat Houston Baptist 36-34, so good for them. They get a win. Texas beat Louisiana Tech 45-14. North Texas beat Abilene Christian 51-31. Michigan beat Middle Tennessee 41-20. Old Dominion beat Norfolk State 24-21. Marshall 56 to 17 over VMI, Texas San Antonio 35 to 7 over Incarnate Word, Charlotte beat Garner Webb 49 28, Central Arkansas upsets Western Kentucky 35 28, and here we're here's where it gets a little interesting, guys. Tulane routes Florida International 42 14. That's a bit of a surprise. That's supposed to be a pretty good football team. Didn't show it in the opening game. UAB struggles against Alabama State, 24-19. to Ohio State beat Florida Atlantic, 45-21. I think it's fair to say that game was a little closer than the score indicates. But here to me, guys, and Kelly, I'll start with you, the surprise. Army. Fourteen to seven over Rice. That was a, that was a surprise to me because Rice is projected as a lower tier, and I mean way lower tier, Conference USA team. And Coach Munkin up there with uh, not Todd Munkin, but Jeff Munkin, the head coach of Army, they were loaded and had a lot of guys coming back. So I don't know if the weather was problematic. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know, but that that surprised me as well. Yeah, pretty close game. That surprised you, Luke, as much as it did us. It did. I mean, you look at what. The Rice head coach, where he comes from, and you know how well uh, he's been on the staffs that he's been. They could be a much improved team. Another team that jumped out to me, Middle Tennessee, was in the big house and uh, went up on Michigan early. Didn't get blown out. Uh, got beat by by nineteen eventually. Got shut out uh, except for seven points in the second half. Uh, another one that kind of scratched my head: Old Dominion only beat Norfolk State by three. Mm-hmm. So not that great a showing of Conference USA teams this weekend. Eight and five over the course of the week. The one that raised my eyebrows was how how soundly Tulane thrashed FIU. Oh, I agree with that completely. Because yeah. now Tulane, this is a team that has starters back on both sides of the ball. Predominant, I think nine on each offense and defense. Tulane had starters back on each side of the ball. So you'd expect the Green Wave to be strong, but well. 
stronger than last year, right? They never have have not been a national power, nor would you necessarily expect them to be. But to but to route a team that's projected to be a conference or was projected to be one of the top finishers right. in Conference USA. You know, we've talked about the attendance problems at Southern Miss over the years. Right. You talk to the people down in Tulane, the Green they Wave fans are saying, "Man, they're really hurting." Did I mention that Memphis beat Ole Miss? You didn't, Bob. Did I mention that? Did you know that, Luke? Memphis beat Ole Miss. I heard about it. Yeah, I actually listened to the end of it. So yeah. go Tigers. Huh, how about that? It, it probably is not going to be the last time this year you're going to say that somebody beat Ole beat Miss. Ole Miss, no. You know. There was, you know, I could be eating words this weekend, but somebody said uh, an old lady walked into church on Sunday morning drinking her coffee, uh, wasn't watching where she stepped. She tripped. And she fell forward three pews. But the good news was she still got more offensive yards than Ole Miss did against Memphis. <laughs> Might be a long year for the Rebs. Uh, but, yeah. uh, Mississippi State beats uh, Louisiana Lafayette, or the University of Louisiana at Lafayette. But that's a very competitive game, guys. And I would think that, as I said earlier, I would suspect that Lafayette's a pretty equal team with Southern Miss. But holds hope, you know, right? But Lafayette has like two or three studs in the backfield, and they ran it on Mississippi State. That's what scares me about the Eagles, you know, ability to move the football Saturday. And that yeah. game was in New Orleans, too. It's kind of at a neutral site, and this is going to be inside. In, in Starkville, yeah, for sure. 101 is the forecast for kickoff. <laughs> Saturday afternoon, Kelly J. Luke, did I tell you that that somebody broke into my garage this weekend? No. Yeah, they stole my limbo stick. How low can you go? <laughs> and on that note, we'll thank you for listening to the Eagle Hour today. Al Holder, out of the retirement home. They gave him an hour-long break. He's going to be on the show tomorrow. Update Matt Walden. So he's going to skip his nap? Yeah, he's going to skip the nap to be on the show. We're very grateful to him for that. Al Holder and other things on the Eagle Hour tomorrow at 1 o'clock. Until then, Southern Miss. To the top. To the top. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.